All right, I'm going to call Saul in. Hold on, please. Saul Cole. Let's call him again. Okay, let's go with the music again. What are you doing? I'm like background. Sort of like that layer. Like, ooh, you know? What are you, Billy Eilish? Yeah. Hi, the following podcast is brought to you by Radical Road Brewery, the best craft beer in the heart of Leslieville. Find them at 1177 Queen Street East. That's Radical Road Brewery. Hi, so uh, my name is Saul Colt. I am the founder of the Idea Integration Company. Um, Most people know me as the smartest man in the world and North America's best word-of-mouth marketer. Uh, I'm excited to be on this show. Holy mackerel, it, it, it only took forever to get an invitation, but I'm excited, so welcome to the music. How was that? that was perfect. That was great. Perfect. Although, Greg, I don't know if you know Saul as the smartest man in the world. Do you know him like that? Totally. Yeah? yeah, I don't know. Uh, word of mouth marketer of the North America. That was good. That was good, Saul. Thank you for thank, thank you for you. taking the time to be on. No, all honestly, thanks so much, mm-hmm. man. Really appreciate this. Um, yeah. So, how are we going to save the music industry? Let's get right into it. All right, so you know, it's it's uh, this is a really interesting time with uh, everything that's going. On. I don't know if you guys know what's going on with the world with COVID nineteen and, and but um, pretty much everybody is required to stay indoors and social distance. You guys know about this, right? I've heard about that. It. That is happening. Well, you know what? Let's let's start here, Saul. Um, okay. We're recording this on March twenty fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is actually, Greg, this is the first time you and I are recording a podcast since uh, the world went on lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But let's start with Saul. Saul, what what have you, like, What have, how are you coping with this? What have you been doing the past week and a half? I've been staying indoors, only going out if I need to get groceries or, or deliver some food to my parents. And other than that, I've just been... Uh, um, pitching projects and using the time to be proactive with my business and try to, uh, you know, line stuff up. My, 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 all my projects got canceled. So I've got free time and, and everything. So I've been, uh, you know, you can either wallow and, and feel sorry for yourself or try to make it better. And I've been trying to make it better, but I have been respecting all of the, the, uh, proper niceties around, uh, COVID-19 and not being one of these bad people is going around spreading the virus. Awesome. I, thought, I thought what you did on, um, I know you put it on LinkedIn and other channels about, you know, just offering for anybody to have a conversation, whether it had to do with business or personal. I thought that was a great thing, really nice thing. Yeah, I opened up my calendar and, and you know, doing 15-minute chats with people. I do uh, eight of them a day. And uh, it's really, you know, like it's 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 part, I want to be helpful. I want to connect with people. Uh, you know, it's like you can pick my brain, at, you know, Ask me anything that I would normally charge money to to help you with, and uh, you know, just giving people it's as much for me as it is them giving people access to me. But you know, it's like I'm 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 under house arrest. It's a, you know, essentially we all are. So yeah. you're not going to bump into people on the subway or or at an event. So I'm trying to trying to keep um, collisions happening, as the kids would say. Ooh, look at that. Um, what, what kind of what, like what are people asking you? Is it all business stuff? Like, hey, what do I, you know, how can I reach more customers? Or are they asking, like, what, what sort of questions are you getting? I'd say it's 90% business. And a couple of people have just been friends that have used the opportunity to reach out. But uh, yeah. some of the questions, people are, you know, looking for a quick brainstorm on taglines. People have asked for um, you know, me to just double-check their messaging uh, because they don't want to offend people in this new environment. I've had people ask me if like, I really think it's okay to even advertise at this time. It's, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I hope I'm being helpful to people. I, I give my honest opinion on everything. But um, <coughs> Oh, my God, you guys, this might be the first um, <laughs> symptom. That, <coughs> Whoa. But um, I, 
I've had uh, I've had people ask me all sorts of questions today alone. Uh, a woman um, asked me. She she you know she said I've got these three blog properties. One's about this. One's about this. One's about this. Should I you know condense everything into one? Should I split it out? You know things. So she's looking to elevate her brand and be known specifically as an expert in one area. So you know she wanted to to know if she was spreading herself too thin and and how mm. she should sort of focus. So um, it's really open to anything. Like I I. I have an opinion on everything. I'm I'm usually right, but you know, it's like um I I this is a chance for people to ask me stuff. Just like just like you guys are are, are doing. Well, yeah. I reached I reached out to you with a question around advertising short bit ago and I appreciate that. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So should brands be advertising now? What are your thoughts yeah. on that? Absolutely, they should be. They have to. They have to make sure that the messaging is correct, and they're not going to offend people. But um, people are home right now, so um, you know. I read something this morning that ad engagement is through the roof. There's a time where you know, like, like people are are literally trying to figure out this whole work at home thing. So, how many breaks do I take? Can I leave a window open for social media? All sorts of things. Um, <coughs> Brand should. 100% be advertising right now. They just have to be a little extra careful in the message they um, they share because you don't want to come off as tone deaf. You don't want to, you know, for, for can you swear on this show? Yep. Yep. Okay, for 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 whatever's sake, um, don't run a COVID nineteen nineteen percent off sale. You know that's like maybe the stupidest thing you could do. Um, but if you have a relevant thing, you know, like think of the products that are going to go through the roof right now. If you have a a, a homeware product or you know something along those lines, you're going to get people interested, you know, blankets, towels, all this stuff. You're looking around your house, you know, business furniture, like all sorts of things. Like fashion may die because like nobody's getting dressed up and and makeup may die and and a lot of like things may, you know, sort of get um, hurt a little bit. But, you know, for the most part, People are captive right now, and they're paying attention. So if you can figure out a way to spark their interest, um, this is exactly the time you should be doing it. And also, you should be doing it because others aren't. So, you know, any company that's taking a wait-and-see attitude is going to be waiting a long time to get their customers back. Um, You Hmm. should be talking to your customers right now, and this is going to go the same advice I'm going to give to save the music industry. But, like, you've got extra time on your hands so the you know every company should know their 100 best customers by first name if you don't you better use this time to know them because you have the time you've got no excuse to to say oh well people are always in my store or this or that like you should be doing all the extra work right now to you know it's like like i said earlier i'm all my projects are canceled so i've got nothing on my calendar right now but i'm busy all day long because i'm not sitting around and wallowing and waiting for anything to happen for me because guess what it ain't gonna happen um i gotta just keep banging doors and having phone calls and pitching ideas and that's what every company should be doing right now companies that are going to prosper greatly through this and good luck to them and good for them as long as they're not doing it in a gross opportunistic way i, I applaud them um but other companies that are on the bubble you're gonna have to work a little extra harder and but you know the other side of it is you have a little extra time to work a little extra harder and and dovetailing that into the music like i'm 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 amazed and and i don't know where you're going to go in terms of saving the music industry but i'm i'm amazed seeing many of the musicians and what they've done leveraging their spare time and social media and it actually gives me hope from a social media perspective that you know it's being used for what i would have liked for it to be done in the first place which is connecting musicians with their fans like when the arkells are having a q and a session and he you know they're immediately just bringing up people and who are asking questions they're talking one to one i mean we we have not seen that we've seen tweets back and forth and stuff but i don't know what are your thoughts no, I, I think that the ones that are doing it, um, you know, are, are doing a really great job. So, um, you know, 
social media, the great promise of it, you know, 2007, 2008, 2009, was you're going to have access to the world that you're never going to have access to. And, you know, it was used for that kind of, but celebrities were always put on a pedestal that, you know, they were, they're unapproachable. You, you know, every now and then you had a Shaquille O'Neal or someone who really embraced it and, and responded to people and talked to people. And now you've got, you know, a couple people like Ryan Reynolds who, you know, has a great sense of humor about things and really understands the the importance of uh, connecting with people. But you know, the music industry was devastated long before COVID nineteen. You know, mm-hmm. with streaming, like everyone thinks streaming fixed the music industry. I think streaming killed the music industry. Um, one of my favorite performers, like uh, so. Um, before I tell you one of my favorite performers. I remember reading this. I couldn't have the number wrong. So if you guys know it, please correct me. So I'm not saying this is an absolute fact, but I'm pretty sure I read uh, Pharrell, you know, from NERD and, you know, Pharrell, Pharrell. Um, The song Happy, which was like the biggest song of the year. How many years ago? Three, four, five years ago. Most streamed song of all time or something stupid like that, or at least in that calendar year. And he made like $2,900 on it in royalties. Because they're they're getting like a fraction of a penny or something like that. Here, I'll I'll Google it just to see if I'm right here. Um, P-H-A-R-E-L-L. This is great for a podcast. I love this. Here we go. Right. Oh, here we go. This so, according to businessinsider.com, despite Pharrell's bucks. Happy made, yeah, Happy made 2700 bucks in publisher and songwriter royalties from 43 million Pandora streams in the first, well, this is the first quarter of 2014. That's crazy. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm, so, these guys are like a percentage of a percentage of a penny of uh, for every stream. So yes, it's, it's amazing because it's amazing for the consumer. It's not amazing for the, the creator. So one of my favorite um, people of all time is Elvis Costello. And, uh, yes. and you know, if it, um, so I don't know if you guys read his book, uh, unfaithful music and disappearing ink. It's probably, it's like a 700 page book. So I'm guessing neither of you invested the time, but you know, happy to be corrected. <laughs> Thank but, you. Uh, <laughs> but you read it for us. Yeah. In the book, I, I, I listened to the audiobook, so I cheated, <laughs> but at least I'm honest about it. Yeah. Um, but um, in the book, he talks about how uh, he cannot make money releasing albums anymore. So he doesn't. Um, the only money for him to be, the, the only way he makes revenue anymore in the music industry is what he calls tickets and t shirts. So. Yes. They make money off of live performances Mm -hmm. and they make money off merch and that's it. There's no other money in the music industry. And that's Elvis Costello, a guy who's like 40 years in and, you know, considered by some the greatest of all time because he's he's adorable and great and amazing and if he can't figure out how to make income uh, out of like a, a catalog that people would die for um what hope is it for anybody but that being said i think last week showed a very different way for performers to uh-huh. um create loyalty so it's it's no different than the exact advice I'm giving companies. Spend time with your user base, you know, help them through a bad time, create absolute loyalties so they're they're going to love you to death, create shareable content so that you can have a shared experience with them when when you know um uh Greg it's Greg, right? Greg. It is Greg. Yeah, Greg, Greg. people are doing Q&As and stuff. Yeah, Greg. Greg mentioned Q and A's and stuff like that, you know, like people weren't doing that three weeks ago. So, you know, it's, it's really amazing how some people are embracing this and some people aren't. And guess what? In three months time, hopefully when people are allowed to perform and actually go out and sell some tickets and t-shirts, they're going to be the ones that people are going to get all excited about because they had that shared experience like right now. So I, I got to be some of these DJs that are that are doing DJ sets because I did a DJ set yesterday and I was thrown off of Instagram Live after 20 minutes because they said I was using uncopyrighted uh, or music I didn't own the copyright to, but DJ D Nice like is able to do nine hours. Come on, I think um, I think 
I don't know, maybe they just don't like Jewish people or something. But oh, beyond oh, that, um, <laughs> it's real. <laughs> but, you know, this is the time when, like, everybody is, you know, three weeks ago, people weren't looking for music. They weren't looking for these experiences. Now that the door has been open, a new bar has been set, but the bar is like actually kind of really easy to jump over because it's like, you don't have to get on a plane. You don't have to go on a tour bus. You don't have to do any of this stuff. Like all these things people are doing now were kind of the thing Pearl Jam have been doing for years through their fan clubs and, and stuff like that, where it's like, watch us in the studio, you know, and they just put up a, they open up a, a laptop and, and, you know, open up a private live stream and stuff like that. So none of the stuff that these bands are doing is like revolutionary, but it's the right time and it's the right place and people have an appetite for it. So this is like the best time for, for some of these bands. And it's a really good way for bands that aren't tier one bands to grow their fan base and take advantage of like a moment. And like, you know, I've, I've been telling a lot of brands that I've been talking to don't come off as opportunistic. Um, I don't, I don't see providing value as being opportunistic and this is really providing value. And, and guess what? You're sitting on your couch playing your acoustic guitar. If six people show up or 60,000 people show up, it's the same amount of effort for you. And those, those people that are watching, they don't know how many people, well, I guess they do know, but they don't care if it's an intimate thing of six people or if there's 60,000 people because their enjoyment is exactly the same. You talked about, uh, you know, those that take, not take advantage, but, but leverage this right now so that on the flip side, you know, when they do put out stuff and they are touring, um, but the, you know, that goodwill will be there. Do, do you think this, and as a live music fan, this concerns me, does this change live music? Um, no, because, uh, well... In a certain extent, maybe, but I don't think it changes live music when we're allowed to enjoy live music again. I, I'm using the definition of live music as a concert hall, a you know, yeah. a stage and amplific amplification and lighting and and all that stuff. So does it change it? It may change the emotional connection that brands have, uh, or it may change the emotional connection that fans have for that brand. So they'll definitely not sleep on you know the opportunity of going to see them live, but um, I don't think it changes live music. I think this is a different category. Yeah. It's, you know, this is really more about building, you know, your, this is about building your community. This is about building, you know, you're, you're investing now in future income, which I think every mm. company and brand has to do. Um, you know, at, at the same time, you do three or four performances, you know, of real value. I don't think anyone would mind if you slipped a URL in there to say, you know, go buy mm -hmm. a CD or go yeah. buy something like that. But to if you're a band that just came on a live stream and said, hey, we're the Rolling Stones. We canceled all our tour, but, you know, go buy our new album. Goodbye. I don't think that's the same as you know some of these people that are doing forty-five minute sets and and stuff like that. And you know, it's just like who doesn't love to to have a shared experience with like mm -hmm. a a band that they love and stuff like that. I don't. Yeah, yeah, I would not have a bad feeling towards any performer who you know offered up a link to their merch store after they invested forty-five minutes or something like that. Mm -hmm. If it, you know your whole video is. 45 seconds and it's just like send us money you know or whatever totally different conversation yeah so so saul you wouldn't um you wouldn't recommend or or your thoughts around okay so here's what i want to get at you've got bands with with the hope that in two three four months down the road can get back on the road can start filling up everything from bars to stadiums um, but what about this, like the time mm -hmm. right now? So maybe or, there's a band that just came out and they had a tour set for the next mm -hmm. two to three months where they were going to be on the road, uh, you know, locally even. Right. Um, and they were going to make some money. And Greg, you could talk a bit about this because you know, the actual dollars and cents that this could earn a band, but what, what do we do? 
with the you know new up and comer. I'm not worried about um, you know the Elvis Costellos of the world or the Pharrells of the world um, or even the Arkells of the world that have already established a strong fan base. What do you do mm-hmm. for these up and coming acts that literally had planned the next three months? This was going to be how they were going to you know reach the world, sort of thing. So, so I would tell you that, you know, they should be doing this stuff already. If you're an up and coming band, you know, sort of like what I mentioned earlier, no one's going to do anything for you. So a band, a band I've loved for 40 years is they might be giants and, you know, like they are, you know, well established at this point. I I hope they're all millionaires and they tour because they love touring and not because they they need the money, but who knows? Everybody's situation is different, Mm -hmm. but for the last 40 years, they've had a uh, They Might Be Giants dial-a-song service where it's literally just a phone number that rings inside of John Flamberg's home, one of the founders of the band, and they put a new song on an, on an antiquated answering machine every day. So it's a little bit of a touch point every day for fans to keep connected with them. If you're a new band, you know... It is a complete grind. It's you know, it's no different than starting a business. Nobody cares. So you have to keep shoving it in people's face. You have to keep giving things away. You have to keep working to build that fan base. And that fan base can go from one to ten to twenty-five to seventy-five to two hundred to a thousand. Um, but if you release one song and then you know you know, you, everybody high fives each other and, and doesn't do anything to support that song. Nothing's going to ever happen. So you have to treat every, every song, every album, every, everything like a product and actually work on a launch. And you know, what is that launch going to look like? Well, we're going to like, we're going to email all of our fans. We're going to support it. We're going to, you know, we can't go into radio stations to do interviews. So why don't we interview ourselves online? You know, it's like, there's so many great, that I grew up with that I don't see bands really having fan clubs anymore. And, you know, Mm. it's like, it could be the shittiest thing where we just, they mail you a bumper sticker or something, but it's a touch point and it's like a way to communicate, you know, new things and what's going on. So, you know, it's like, I, you know, if if you're a young band and you lost your tour, that's really unfortunate. Um, Chances are, and I'm making an assumption, Greg, you can correct me. It'll get rescheduled hopefully, or maybe it won't because they're booked, you know, with the other people that um, I don't know how, how far ahead they book things uh, in smaller clubs and stuff like that. But it's your job to make sure people appreciate and consume your music. So, you know, part of the reason a lot of bands don't succeed is they just love creating music. They don't love the, the other side of it. But, you know, you have to spend... And I'm making up numbers here, but my guess is 70% of your time promoting your music and the business side of your band, uh, as opposed to 20 or 30% of your time actually creating new music. Because creating music that no one hears, you know, maybe it makes you happy, but you've got a hobby and not a business. And I think most of these people are trying to do this as a business because this is what they love and and they wanted, you know, they don't want to work a, a, a regular day job and stuff like that. A, a good friend of mine, I won't say who it is because it's not fair to sort of share the story with him uh, without his permission but a good friend of mine was in a reasonably successful popular band like you know I, you know they weren't headlining you know festivals and stuff but they did a uh, two national tours uh, opening for a very very recognizable brand that's maybe on you know uh, you know couple minutes left in their 15 minutes but they were still playing you know arenas or and maybe not arenas but like places like massey hall or the danforth music hall so you know like i don't know how many that holds maybe two thousand people or something like that and um you know they did national tours and they lived in their their bus and uh or not even their bus a van and and you know they they were featured at south by southwest and all these things and for two calendar years they never stopped touring and they just, you know, like it just never clicked where they were able to get to that next level. But, you know, they, they have a little bit of money in their pocket and, and stuff like that, but they just they gave up and they went and got regular jobs. They still make music for fun, but the business side of it and the work side of it, it just like it grinded them down and they gave two full years of their life and, you know, busted up 
relationships and and you know really made like families you know life difficult but this was what they wanted to do and i've never seen anybody commit harder than these guys and you know they had songs used on tv shows and all sorts of things so they had everything you hope for but you still need that that little bit of crazy crazy luck and they just weren't able to to get it so but literally they never stopped Never, 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 never stopped. And it just didn't work out. So, you know, am I saying don't do this? Absolutely not. If it's your thing, you know, invest in it and, and do the thing. But like, you know, I don't think anybody has the formula for success in here. The only thing you can do is is everything and hope that lightning strikes. And what are your you thoughts talk, on this? Yeah, well, I was gonna I was gonna go from the activation perspective. Like you talk about they might be giants. Mm-hmm. Um and I know you're a big, you know, activations and, and stunting is a big part of what you mm-hmm. bring into that experiential marketing um, perspective. What I haven't seen yet that I'm really looking forward to, and I think it's going to come with the amount of time that we're all locked in our houses, is, you know, I think of, I think of Nine Inch Nails, and I can't remember what album it was. It was probably like 10 years ago or something. And they did this, they did, a, they did an activation that included like, in person and online and you know it was almost like a scavenger hunt and Mm -hmm. i'm 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 looking forward to seeing bands start to do that that's you know it's great to see them do the amas and the one-on-ones and the concerts right now um but i'm really excited to see what's going to come out of it from that perspective We, we need more people to jump into things that aren't going to necessarily scale and make the money. Like, you know that, have you guys ever seen that, that uh, Lenny Kravitz video where it's like complete bullshit and stage and anyone who thinks it's real is like, you know, whatever naive. I'll, I'll, I'll say politely, but Lenny Kravitz is just in his hotel room and he hears his own music from 17 blocks away. And he, he jogs down the street and finds like a high school marching band who's playing, uh, I want to fly away yeah. and he joins them. And it. so you watch his video, the video is amazing and it makes you feel good. And that he did something really cool for like all these kids for like, you know, jaded, you know, people like myself know that it was all stage, but it was still cool. So why not do more of those things, you know, mm. like flood the internet with, with nice, cool experiences that make these people look, you know, like humans and cool and fun. And, you know, for those hundred kids in a marching band, those were real kids in a high school marching band. Imagine that experience for them. You know, that's so cool and stuff like that. Like, like bands have to do more things like that. Like a band that I think does a really good job is, um, you know, it's like, I'm not a huge, huge Pearl Jam fan, but man, I respect them. Um, and like, they've got a, a fan club. I forget what it's called. It's, I think it's called 13 or, or PJ 13 or something. I don't know. It's got a 13 in it. And um, like a quarter of every show, uh, tickets are held back just for their fans in that city. And then they open it up to the general public and the ticket masters and stuff like that. Cause they want to make sure that the, the building is filled with people that actually care about them and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like there's, there's tons of things that they can do. And, and I know that like a lot of comedians and music musicians and all these things, they've added meet and greet opportunities to some of their shows. Those meet and greets are so disingenuous because you get less yeah. than four seconds with the person. It's literally like, hi, how are you what's your name Saul cool look over there snap okay go goodbye next someone could figure out a way to make make real meet and greets meaningful um then then I think that meet and greets would actually be an amazing thing for for people like you know but like right now like it's 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 kind of like a a turnstile and and that's not that's not building a relationship with your 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 people who love you and stuff like that it's cool they'll go post it on Instagram and stuff but it's not you're not making memories or anything like that. Yeah, I know Chris Chris Martin of Coldplay has always uh, like I've always seen videos of him popping up at school assemblies and uh, you know mm. you've got these high school bands playing and they'll just pop in and you know get on the keys or play guitar or, or sing a couple of his songs. Um, you know he's it, it's the idea of never forgetting like where you came from and and always taking that time to invest 
into into mm-hmm. goodwill, right? So so Frank Black from the Pixies. Mm-hmm. Pixies are one of my favorite bands. Love Frank Black. Um, he did a thing. They never announced it. They never. Um, it was it, it was a publicity thing, of course. Mainly without you know, kind of crossing your fingers and hoping some publicity will come for it. But he did this things where um, about two hours before every show, he would just show up somewhere in the city unannounced and start busking, and he called it his warm up concert. So he'd do forty five minutes on an acoustic guitar. Wow. miles away from where the, the the concert was happening. So he did in Toronto about three years ago. He was playing at um, the Horseshoe Tavern, which is at Queen and Spadina, and he did his busking thing at Young and Bluer. So it's not like he's even saying, like, the Pied Piper, follow me and buy tickets to my show. But, you know, three hours before the show, you hope it's sold out. So they're not doing it for any other reason than it's just like, you know, no announcement. It, people figure it out after, and they start tweeting about it. But nobody says, "Come here and and see this." You sort of have to, you know, stumble upon yourself and things like that. And I did this for thirty shows. He would just, you know, it's just this is how I warm up. You know, it's like everything else. You know, remembering lyrics is a muscle, and and like he would even just sort of figure out new set lists and orders of music and and stuff like that. So like bands, because tickets and t-shirts are the way they make money, they really have to work harder now, big or small on creating those moments. Because like if I can now download 25 live performances for any major band. So the reason to go to a show is to either get drunk or, you know, rub shoulders with people and stuff like that. So the actual act of seeing people live, um, you know, to some people, it's not going to be that thing anymore. I hope it never becomes that. I love going to see live music. I love seeing, you know, comedian and stuff like that. But, you know, for some people like, uh, you know, there are people who are going to like really love staying home all the time and, you know, realize that there's a whole world of entertainment at their fingertips now. And, you know, it, it, you know, I, I hope it doesn't hurt live performances, but you know, I, I think, I think there might be hesitation for at least months after we're all told that you can go outside the, before people just, you know, get back into the routine and stuff like that. It'll be, you know, a little bit of doubt and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, bands don't have it easy. Nobody has it easy. So like, I'm not picking on, on musicians, but, but man, you know, never in the history of time has it been easier to, to find fans and, you know, smart people will monetize them. And, you know, it's, 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 it's exciting and scary for everybody. Yeah, we had a Greg, a gentleman named Greg Karen on uh, four to six weeks ago. I don't know if uh, if Saul, if you know this guy, he he's uh, he does e-commerce for both uh, Naughty by Nature uh, as well as uh, doing some stuff with Run DMC. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and you know, you're talking about uh, tickets and T-shirts, or you know, the T-shirt side of things. Um, outside of selling merch at a concert, is is sort of what's your online uh, presence. How are you optimizing? You know, what are, what are you what are you giving fans that still want to get T-shirts and stickers and hats and swag uh, from bands? So if anyone's interested, um, a little plug there. Go check out Greg uh, Greg Caron. Um, yeah. Is is um, he really down with OPP? He is. Oh, you know, you know him. <laughs> <laughs> so it was weird. So. So we you all guys, have you uh, guys. You guys get that, right? Of course, we get that. Oh, <laughs> right, just checking. <laughs> guys, are we a were older. I was actually. So everyone knows. Uh, <laughs> everyone knows AK from uh, the former B Notions, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I was at his wedding um, wow, years man. ago. I should have. He's, he's pretty. He's pretty important. So you gotta. All <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I, I'm a big fan. Like I, he's, he's a wonderful person. I just, if I knew we were name dropping, I would have worn shoes, but go on, please. <laughs> Excuse me. He had naughty by nature at his wedding. Uh, so that was, uh, <laughs> That's it was awesome. I, I thought I just, I thought I would just mention that 
I'll, I'll pick that name up off the floor again. But, um, Saul, I know you're also a huge movie buff. Yes. Nobody can go to theaters anymore. Um, at least for the time being. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you, what is, what are your thoughts on, uh, that, that industry and, and where things will go after this and if things will ever recover, especially the sort of the, uh, the second run theaters, the art houses. Hi. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the movie industry, um, movie industry is in a similar situation to, to music where, um, you know, maybe a little different because, you can get everything at home in a shorter window than you ever could before, but at least, at least I don't know if you guys know there's a thing called a mute button. But anyways, you can get, that, um, I don't know if you've noticed, you but get, I keep going, I keep muting every once in a while and I'm like, cream, mute. I am sorry. I don't know where, oh, there's my mute button. Yeah. I'm sorry. You guys need to go get checked now. You guys, you guys run a, through, a tight ship. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um so the 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 movie industry you know the the one thing they've got going for them is everything's available at home now but at least they make money off of it when you get it at home whether you rent it or the royalties that are paid through Netflix or the other streaming services um as far as you know like like the the music the movie industry as a whole they're taking a beating right now because you can't go to movie theaters but in all honesty nobody goes to movie theaters unless it's like a blockbuster marvel movie um you know unless it's a movie that needs to be seen on a giant screen with uh you know the 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 moving chairs and the the crazy amazing sound you can have an amazing movie experience at home with a not very expensive tv and like you know $200 speakers and stuff like that. So that, you know, are, are movies going to go away? Absolutely not. If anything, when people are cocooning, I think steering more to television than they are to music. Um, I have no data to back this up. It's just my, my hunch. Cause you hear people just talking about, you know, binging and streaming and all these things like that and stuff like that. So I, I don't fear for the, the, the entertainment industry. I do fear the fact that there's a lot of, um, you know, the, the, the people that don't win in this equation, of course, are the, the people actually creating the content, the, the, the sound people, the film people, the, you know, the camera people, the makeup people, all those people, because they're not working and they're freelancers and they don't get the same, you know, they don't have the same deep pockets that the studios have. So if you're to ask me globally about this problem, I think the studios are going to be just fine. They eat giant losses all the time if a movie is shitty and they put it out it's the 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 underserved market of the 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 film industry that i worry about um because like you know there's a lot of people in north america i don't want to say canada or the u.s there's a lot of people in all of north america who could not survive three months without a paycheck and Mm. the the entertainment industry is is shut down they're not making television shows right now they're like you know any of that stuff so there's a lot of people who are you know really concerned with what's going on so i worry for those people i'm not worried for am i going to get to see the movie i want to see at the theater and stuff like that but you know it's also like the 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 theater industry has done itself a disservice a little bit so i don't know if you guys know how the theater industry works but i'm i'm 90 percent sure i'm right on this so if somebody wants to tell me i'm wrong feel free but my understanding is if you buy a ticket to a movie half of the money goes to the theater and half the money goes to the studio and if you buy popcorn and, and candy all that money goes to the theater well yeah, to make the money. it's it's more expensive to buy a Coke and popcorn than it is to buy a ticket to the movie. There's something really broken in that equation. And I get that that's their livelihood and that's how they make money and stuff like that. But like when I think about going to see a movie at the theater, I don't think, oh, it's going to cost me $20 cause that's the price of the ticket. I think it's $7. And do I really want to spend $47 on this when I can like just get, you know, food delivered to my house and and watch something at home and be comfortable and then just go and like go to bed after or, or stuff like that like it's just the price to go to the theater doesn't equate the experience anymore so mm. 
it like just my feeling and you know everyone can tell me i'm wrong but i only go to like i wouldn't go see a drama in the movie theater like i i go to like action yeah. movies in the movie theater you know like i i i spend the five dollars extra and i sit in those stupid moving seats because i want to be thrown around if there's like a car race or a car crash or something like that but there's maybe two or three of those movies a year that warrant paying the extra money but i watch a movie almost every other day at home um because it's all right in front of me and it's easy and i don't have to get in my car and any of that stuff and we've got big screen tvs now right like i mean that's part of it too it used to be it used to be you'd go to the uh what's the 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 old vip at um bluer and university or whatever anyway we now we now have tvs in our mm-hmm. house that are the size of the screens that we used to go to there um you know for kelly and myself mm-hmm. we just to your point Saul, we just go to VIP and we know because we're going to have, you know, a drink and dinner and the movie that it's going to be as if we go to a restaurant, it's a hundred bucks for the night, you know, cause that's what it is at the end of the day. When you tickets for VIP, a couple of drinks, a couple of dinners, mm-hmm. it's a hundred bucks. So that's our night out, but we're not, mm-hmm. we're not going into the regular theaters, like your standard theater to watch, as you said, a drama, just not happening. I'm sorry. You're still bougie. That's what that's what the kids call it. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Saul. Well, I was gonna say, like, it's it's almost at the point for that amount of money, you should get a digital copy of the film when you walk out the door, so you can hmm. watch it again at home. Or you should get when it's released on iTunes, you should get a code to to watch it again or something like that. Because it's just like the the I spend money on the stupidest, most frivolous stuff. You know, I'm cutting back now because, uh, like, you know, <laughs> there ain't no money, but um. <laughs> But you know, it's like I it's just like I, I'm I'm the least frugal person in the world, but I just don't feel I'm getting any value from going to the theater anymore. Like it's not like it, it, you know, it's it's kind of like being on an airplane. It used to be like this this experience. It used to be amazing. And like even like now, like it's just there's there's nothing really interesting about going to the movie theater, which is sad because oh. like they're literally creating magic, you know. It's like it's, it's like you're seeing things that, you know, people create worlds and stories and fantastical, you know, experiences on the screen. But it's like it's not exclusive anymore. So if it's not exclusive. Why am I paying a premium for it? So Saul, I've got a question here from uh, uh, from a caller named Greg. Uh, he wanted to ask you about going to in new york city going greg to you're on the air going hi to hi, hi greg uh uh, uh long time <laughs> listener first time caller so tell, tell me about uh tell me about uh, peppa's birthday new york city oh so greg and who is peppa I, 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 peppa so um gr- for 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 those of you uh, that don't know, Greg, the co-host of the show, uh, we have a long history. We've we've been friends for many years. We've been colleagues. We've traveled for work extensively, so we've got a bunch of inside jokes and things like that. But I don't remember the exact way we ended up there. I can't remember if it was someone you knew or somebody that just said we should go. I, like that part of the story is fuzzy to me. But Greg and I were invited to Peppa from Salt and Peppa. You know the the seminal '90s hip hop act. Um, Peppa had released Peppa had released a book. And we were invited to the book launch party, and it was in the Meatpacking District of New York, and it was it was like this this cool club, and like I, I'm not a fashionable person, so I might have been wearing like a cowboy shirt and a pair of jeans and Air Jordans or something. Greg is a little fancier and you know more civilized than me when it <laughs> comes to putting an outfit together. But um, we walked in, and if you've ever seen any like sitcom where it's like a black person goes into a country bar, this was reversed. We were the <laughs> only was. two white people in 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 Peppa's book release party, and the place stopped for <laughs> it felt like a minute. It might have been ten seconds, but everyone looked at us um, as we walked in the door, and I. I 
at each other and go, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and just, we go in and experience it. But we, we weren't, we weren't leaving. This was like a cool experience. And, and we, we I, almost became like the mascots. Yes. Everybody wanted to know who, uh, who these guys were. They figured we were like her accountant or lawyer or something. Um, but, uh, um, it's funny. Like I, I don't recall us recognizing famous people or anything, but I'm sure the room was filled with famous oh. people and we just like, we weren't in the know at that time. But uh, do you do you remember how we we ended up there? I can't remember if it was just uh, I, I for some reason I think you were told about it or like, I just I don't remember how we ended up there. But it wasn't I an accident. We, it was we our at, mission like, to get in. Yeah, I don't remember. We were at like I think we were at like an AIG event or not an AIG, but one of the the New York things that we were you know working the room. And yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember how we ended up there. I just remember mm -hmm. getting in a cab, getting there. You know, talking to so many people in the room, leaving, getting in a cab, looking at each other, going, "What just happened?" Yeah. It was fun. I don't think we met Peppa. Awesome. If I remember correctly, Peppa like had a VIP section at her own party, and yeah. like I, I don't think I don't recall her mingling because I don't like uh, I would have asked her for a picture, but I, I have no picture, so I don't think uh, I don't think we met her that night. But we were at least within like ten feet of her. Yeah, it was a fun night. Did you get the book? Oh, come on. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. that's a yes or a no. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't believe there were opportunities to purchase at this party. <laughs> no, there were not. Yeah. Well, not books. Yeah. Not books. Jeez, mm. Greg, if you had prepped me for this question, I would have asked more stuff. <laughs> mm. It doesn't I, seem I, like I, as much prep at all for this show. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've... Saul, we would be remiss if we didn't ask you about some of your favorite stunts that you've um, that you that you've executed for for brands. Um, mm -hmm. What are what are some that you really hold dear to your to your heart? So I, you know, I, I've I've told the same stories over and over. So you know, I, I'm not sure. If okay, these hold are... on. Now let me ask you a different question. Well, I was going to tell you one that I've never told people, but but all go right, on. go ahead. Perfect. Wow. No, if you're going to tell us a story that's never been told. That's what we want. Hi. Right, so it's just you know it's just a little different. But uh, a company came to me and and uh, they said that they um they wanted to stand out at the uh, um uh, what was it uh, the Adobe Summit. So Adobe Summit is a huge event, like a million square feet in Vegas. It's all tech companies that you know integrate with Adobe products in some way, and and you know it's like every booth you go by is bigger than the next one, and they're like people invest crazy money in their booths so uh, a brand came to me they didn't have uh, a huge budget but you know they, they had a workable budget and um, they asked me to pitch them ideas and their um their whole their whole business was about um uh to, to do is ai and machine learning for data servers and uh basically that you know their their system finds trap data and brings it out it's all very interesting and and uh, you know it's just a hilarious industry and, and business but um long story short they came to me and they asked me to to come up with some ideas and we were going to build a um a really crazy um ruth goldberg rube goldberg machine which is like if you've ever seen the beginning of Pee Wee herman's playhouse he makes his breakfast by you know, it's just a machine that this sets off that, sets off that, like a chain of events. And the thing just keeps going until all the breakfast is made. Um, we were going to make one that didn't end. So it basically just restarted itself. So a little bit more of like a ball machine. And it was going to go through a bunch of things. So the ball would be data and you'd find all the places that it would get trapped and get freed and blah, blah, blah. Um, but uh, we didn't have time to build it because the the conference they had sort of uh, found the budget and came to me late. So instead, we built an eight foot by six foot server wall. It looked exactly like a, a wall of servers, um, but it acted like the game Operation. So if you know Operation, you've got the little tweezers and you try to pull the bones out of the the person's body, and if you touch the sides, it sets off the alarm. Uh, this this eight foot by five foot server wall was a working game of operation with like giant tweezers and in it there were wood blocks 
that you know had cut out areas and it it showed all the things all the different types of data that gets trapped and we invited people to come and uh, and try to get the data out of the machine and if you touch the wall this thing shook and like an air siren went off it was amazing it all lit up it was like it was crazy it, like uh, the video of it is in, I love looking at the video um but we built this thing in about five weeks and um and it worked perfectly and it was amazing and it was a huge hit and uh they got a ton of attention um based on our our uh operation you know server wall because every time someone touched the thing the whole room just looked in the direction of this thing because it was like a fireworks were going off <laughs> every time um someone lost the game so uh, i i i'm pretty proud of that it was it was a fun project to do but uh what is your next question my well my question was what's mm. one stunt um and i know you're you 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 think very highly of everything that you've done but there mm. must be one saw that you look back and go ah, i could have done better um, well, so, th so there's one stunt we did for a, uh, a belt company, um, John Y belts, J O N W I E. You guys should check it out. Best belts in the world. Uh, wearing one right now, but, um, one stunt we did for a belt company that, um, you know, you plan stunts backwards and forwards for, for you guys who don't know, cause you know, Kareem didn't really set up the question. I did marketing stunts for a living. It's one of the things I offer, so that's why we're talking about it. But um, uh, for the Bell Company, what we did was, uh, you know, they came to me and they said they want some exposure. They want uh, people talking about them. The you know their brand is such that they're open to anything. They're they're really like they're they're the best brand in the world. They don't shy away from any you know fun or controversy and. And stuff like that. So they they said, um, you know, pitch us ideas. So um, going through the creative process, we came up with the idea of um, um, the belt is kind of like the forgotten fashion accessory. It's either hidden or nobody gets excited about belts. So, but it is a piece of fashion. So uh, we did a fashion show at a very um, busy, popular shopping mall during lunchtime, during Christmas shopping, um, we did a fashion show where the models, one male and one female, were naked, just wearing belts. And by naked, I mean exactly what it sounds like, naked, because um, if you're wearing other clothing, you'll look at the other clothing and not look at the belts. But if you're naked, of course, you're going you're gonna to zone right in on that belt. Am I right, Greg? You're right. Just making sure you're still awake there. Um, the uh, the plan for the stunt was to do a guerrilla fashion show without permission. And um, we thought that security would close us down in seconds. So we had seven GoPro cameras. We had, um, you know, the place was was wired to from every angle. And, you know, we had people with uh, uh, regular cameras because we wanted to capture reactions from people and to create a really interesting piece of video content. And, um, you know, we, we, we set up our little stage that nobody asked any questions about. And we started playing music. And then all of a sudden, the models dropped their 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 raincoats and they were naked and they did four or five passes on the the runway that we had we had built without permission and uh, security never came to uh to stop us security just kind of watched because they thought it was really funny and the key the key element of the the stunt was we we planned it down to what do we do if we have 10 seconds what do we do if we have 40 seconds what do we do if we have a minute but we kind of needed security to to stop us to make the thing like look gorilla and they never stopped us so after about eight or nine times walking the runway um the the models didn't know what to do anymore so i was like oh just come on let's go and uh we created a really interesting piece of content but it didn't have the punchline at the end that we were hoping for so uh uh that is uh it's still you know people loved it and it, it was funny and and you know wonderful but um you know it's like one of those things where the one thing that you were planning to happen didn't happen so uh it's one of those things it keeps me up at night kareem thanks for bringing up uh bad memories no worries you well you learn and you grow from these mistakes right yes <laughs> are you are you still doing your own podcast 
Um, well, you know, uh, a, a good host would know that information already because you'd be a, a loyal listener. But yes, I am still doing my own podcast. It's called We Now Join the Program Already in Progress. And I um, I just do long form conversations with people that um, I want to be friends with or, or better friends with. So it's um, I do it absolutely for myself. I don't care if anyone listens. Um, thankfully, people do listen and they seem to enjoy it. But I um, it gives me a reason to reach out to people I have no right in the world to be reaching out to. So, um, the 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 episode we're posting tomorrow is um, have on the show Danny Fingeroff, who's the writer of A Marvelous Life of Stan Lee, and he was Stan Lee's uh, editor at Marvel Comics for eighteen years, and one of his closer friends. Uh, you know, towards the end of his life, someone who spent a lot of time with him, and we had like a. 90 minute conversation about Stan Lee. And, you know, it's just, these are the things that I like. So, you know, sometimes I, I have marketing conversations with people. Sometimes I have business conversations with people. And sometimes I'm just, you know, like I, I've got coming on the show, Alan Zweibel, who's the co-creator of the Larry Sanders show, the Gary Shandling show, a uh, co-creator of Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's like one of my comedic writing idols. And uh, I just want to talk to him about Curb Your Enthusiasm for 90 minutes and, and Gary Shandling and stuff like that. So would he ever pick up the phone to talk to me uh otherwise probably not but because i have a, a decent number of listeners and he happens to have a book coming out you know sort of wonderful things happen and uh i get to talk to people i've idolized for for a long time so um i just think that that's the premise of the show it's uh either gonna like the guest or not like the guest but it's uh, uh you know it's a lot of people that just i admire and and want you know a reason to talk to them that is awesome, man. Um, why, why, why did you start? Like, I'm, I'm guessing you started because you just wanted to talk to these people. Um, was, was the podcast a reason to have them agree, or um, did you really want to start a podcast? Like, what was it? What was the thinking behind that? So I have created three podcasts for clients, and uh, two of them were in the top 50 of uh, iTunes business podcasts. And uh, I um, I just enjoy the, the medium of podcasting. I like the fact that you don't have to leave your house. It's, it's, it's way more fun to do it face-to-face, but that's obviously not always uh, an option. And, and uh, you can still have like a real long form meaningful conversation and the long form is the part that i'm most interested in um a dear friend of mine is a guy named david feldman who is the um he's the head writer of the comedy central roasts and he was one of america's greatest comedy writers joke writers and he does a five-hour podcast where he drops it he drops once a week and he he basically tells people, like he says, the longer he makes his podcast, the more it gets downloaded. And people chunk it. So maybe they listen to an hour on Monday and you know, 40 minutes on Tuesday. Like he he has a bunch of segments. So there's a there's an easy start and stop point. Um, but he says the longer he makes it, the better his numbers are. And there's something really fascinating about that that idea that, you know, when you look at social media, you look at Twitter and and Instagram. Our brains are so in tune now with bite-sized content that if you offer them something a lot longer and something different, there's an audience for it. And people are craving um, longer form content because you, you know, you, you look at late night TV programming. So I, I grew up, I, I love David Letterman and the, that original NBC show was so instrumental. Him and Conan were so instrumental in forming, you know, parts of my sense of humor. And like, you know, you, you add on Mel Brooks and the Marx brothers and, and a bunch of other people that sort of like my, my sense of humor in a nutshell, but you know, it's like, you watch any late night TV now and the guest is almost secondary to what they can come up with as a YouTube clip. So, you know, you watch any Letterman interview and it's like, they're going to tell, you know, two stories in six minutes and it's not satisfying to me. I want to go deeper. So, you know, it's like, um, you know, podcasting, you know, the reason I love podcasting as a consumer uh, of podcasts and someone who makes it is 
I just, I like when people just get lost in conversation and you could be a fly on the wall and, and hear way more. Like anybody can bullshit through a, a three minute, you know, soundbite interview. Um, but if you're going to talk for 45 minutes, you're going to have to really share a little bit about yourself. Um, and that's, that's the stuff I want to hear. That's the stuff that I, I ache for. Um, and podcasts are the only place to get it for me at least. Yeah, for sure. Listen, Greg. So, I, I know you. You have a last question. Can I ask one more? Yeah. So, 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 I guess two part question. One, yeah. aside from this podcast, because I think we were number seven in Uzbekistan a couple of weeks back. Um, yeah, yeah. Are you listening to any music podcasts that people should listen to? And um, the second part of the question is what what's what's it been in your ear lately? Okay, so um, so I, I will tell you one of my favorite podcasts from a music standpoint is um, so I, I'm going to be just honest with you guys. I don't have a really good way to discover new music. Um, I, I'm not going to clubs. I'm not doing these things. So um, there's a podcast I really like called Moff's Music Machine, and it's M A H F apostrophe S music machine and um it's a dj moff who's just a he's actually a brother of a of an artist friend of mine so that's how i figured who he is but he's he's actually like a really kind of infamous club dj who you know does a lot of celebrity parties and everything and the purpose of this podcast is literally he's not doing dj sets he's doing like an old school radio show where he's introducing every song that was this is that was this is but it's all indie music that, you know, is a little off the radar, but it's new indie music. And it's like new new music from this guy or that guy and this. And I've been, you know, put on to at least four four bands that I bought albums from. And I'm I'm like, maybe it's just my I'm showing my age or whatever. I actually buy music instead of streaming it because I, I I hope that if you buy the music, a little bit of the money goes to the to the the band instead of just streaming it. But um, I would never have any of these people on my radar if it wasn't for Moff's music mix. Um, uh, just because, like you know, it's just you know, it's like, hey, these guys are from Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's like, how would I ever hear you know the 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 hottest indie band in in Minneapolis or whatever? Um, and uh, as far as what's in my ear, like, what have I been listening to lately? Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, I've been playing heavy, heavy rotation. It's it's probably a twenty year old album right now, but there was a band I really loved called excuse me, the Donnas. I don't know if you guys know the Donnas, but um, all-female band, kind of a little bit Ramones-ish. And what I mean by Ramones-ish is um, heavy guitars, you know, three chords for every song. And, um, you know, every song is between a minute and 90 seconds and and three minutes. There's no Stairway to Heaven or, or anything like that. And uh, a lot of their songs are about getting drunk and and making bad decisions and all sorts of stuff. And they put out an album, I'm, I'm looking it up right now, 2004. So what is that, 16 years ago. Um, it's called Gold Medal. And um, man, it's maybe, I, I love the album when it came out. I didn't listen to it for a decade for whatever reason. And it just kind of like came up in a shuffle uh, recently. And I've been listening to the album backwards and forwards uh, since then. It's such a great, great album. Um, and I, I really dig it. But besides that, you know, um, I'm listening to a lot of Frank Black. You know, I've been listening to a lot of Joe Jackson, uh, the British uh, singer, not Michael Jackson's father. Okay. And, um, and um, you know, what I listen to a lot is when I want to listen to like, you know, just mix albums is, um, you know, uh, uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff every year puts out a summer tape remix where he just puts out a mix album uh, mixtape you can download. And there's like seven or eight in the series. And, it's, you know, it goes from, you know, hip hop to Motown to classic rock to all sorts of things and um he's just a great dj and it's like all recognizable music so um i listen to that uh, a lot as well but but the donnas have been in heavy rotation recently it's funny it's funny you mentioned the donnas because uh my daughter michaela and not to make us any feel old or some of us because i know cream's you know in his early 30s um but for the rest of us my daughter went and saw the Donna's open for Maroon 5 with my wife, Kelly. I can't even remember how many years ago that was. Really? That's cool. 
and who the Donnas remind me of, not necessarily specifically the music, although the spirit, and I know this band keeps coming up lately on our podcast, uh, is the Beaches. I just like, it's that, it's that spirit, it's, you know, young woman putting out really powerful pop. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the Beaches, I'll have to check them out, but when oh, I, I do think, it, trust me. Yeah. When I think of like all women bands, although I think for some reason maybe the drummer was was male. Um, my favorite all all female band of all time is Elastica. Um, you know, it's like one album wonder. But man, like the British Invasion, they were really great, and and I I still like early Hole. You know, say what you mm. want about Courtney Love. You know, yeah. she sort of uh, you know turned into something else as she got older. But um, but man, like uh, um, oh, what was what's the album? Um, Celebrity Skin is Celebrity like Skin. E- is easily one of my top five albums of all time. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I love that album. Awesome, Saul. Thank you so much for well, joining before, us. I really before it. before you let me go, we're not going to let you go. I just wanted to thank what, you. What are you guys listening to? Oh, that's a good question. Great, right? go ahead. You go first. I got to research. Uh, I'm listening to a lot of the beaches. I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of the beaches. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of beaches radio. So it's a lot of Canadiana sort of new music coming out. Yeah. So myself, I've been listening. Um, I don't know why I continue going back to these guys, but I've been listening a lot to um, Neil Young. No, no, that's too obvious. Oh, oh sorry, sorry, sorry. That's too obvious. Um, Fleetwood Mac. Uh, specifically, I am more and more just a huge fan of Lindsey Buckingham. So um, he's, he's an old soul. I guess I, so. <laughs> I I think he got shafted. By uh, by Mick Fleetwood, um, he is one of the best guitar players um, of all time. Just the, his style of playing guitar is amazing, and I think he's uh, he's he's written, produced uh, tons of hits. And um, yeah, I've just been listening a lot to uh, both Tango and the Night as well as Rumors. But uh, Saul, if, pe- if people are going to want to uh, subscribe to your podcast, how could they do so? Uh, you can find all of my uh, episodes at uh, www.saltalks, S-A-U-L-T-A-L-K-S, dot com. And that'll take you right to uh, the iTunes uh, store, whatever you call it. Awesome. Listen, can we let you go now? Sure. I want to I wanna talk to you guys for a minute when we're not yeah. recording, so don't hang on. No, no, no. <laughs> all right. Thanks, brother. Do you want me to stop recording? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is, that, is that what it was? Hold on a second. <laughs>